You're listening to the podcast, Send Me. Here with you now is host, Jason Sweet. What's the count, team leader? What's the count? Down! Keep going! Hold it. Try it! Keep going! Brought to you by SOCOM Athlete. Send me. Send me. Thank you for tuning in to SOCOM Athlete's podcast, Send Me. This is your host, Jason, coming to you for the first podcast episode of year 2023, talking to you from Albuquerque, New Mexico, where all pararescue trainees go to earn their coveted Maroon Beret. The pararescue pipeline is known by many to be the most challenging pipeline in the entire military. Located here in New Mexico is Kirtland Air Force Base. Inside Kirtland Air Force Base is the 351st Special Warfare Training Squadron. I had the honor of being invited to attend this PJ graduation to watch one of our former SOCOM athlete students earn his Maroon Beret. He and his 21 classmates are the newest United States Air Force pararescuemen. These things we do that others may live. It is my duty as a pararescueman to save life and aid the injured. I will be prepared at all times for my assigned duties quickly and efficiently. Place these duties for personal desires and comforts. These things we do those may live. Congratulations, Noah. I am so proud of you, man. Welcome to the Brotherhood. Another shout out to our two former SOCOM Athlete Hell Day students that recently secured Special Forces Assessment and Selection Course and were selected to press on through the Green Beret Pipeline to the Special Forces Qualification Course. Samuel, Daniel, strong work, gentlemen. This isn't the start, but it's only the beginning. Some more shout outs for our listeners out there. You may have heard our recent episodes with Navy SEAL Eli Crane and Navy SEAL Ryan Zinke, both of them discussing their congressional run for the House of Representatives. Eli Crane successfully won his district, District 2 of Arizona, and is now a congressman in the U.S. House of Representatives. Mr. Ryan Zinke, former SEAL Team 6 commander, was successfully elected as District 1 representative from the state of Montana. He is a congressman in the U.S. House of Representatives. Congratulations, gentlemen. For our listeners out there, if you haven't heard those episodes, pause it now, go back and listen to our episodes with Eli Crane and Ryan Zinke. Some more big news for you. I am honored and excited to announce that the Florida Army National Guard and 320th Special Forces Group has fully funded and sponsored our upcoming Jacksonville Hell Day event on March 11th. This event is taking place at 320th Special Forces Group. The event is free. If you truly want to be a special operator, you have no excuse. Be there. We'll see you at Hell Day. Next, the state of Colorado Army National Guard and 519 Special Forces Group has fully funded and sponsored our upcoming Denver Hell Day event on March 25th. If you truly want to be a special operator, we'll see you in Denver. Coupon code C-O-A-R-N-G will get you free attendance to the Denver Hell Day. Coupon code F-L-A-R-N-G will get you free attendance to the Jacksonville Hell Day. These Hell Day courses are legitimate, world-class training and mentorship Hundreds of finishers from these hell days are now special operators. Some more exciting announcements. We have Chad Williams, best-selling author and former Navy SEAL, coming back on the podcast Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. That's February 1st, Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. This will be a live Q&A. 
If you have any questions about BUDS, training, SEAL Team life, whatever questions you may have for Chad, bring them on and join us for the live Q&A on Wednesday, February 1st at 1300 Eastern Time. This will be a full podcast episode recorded and published. The next live Q&A we have is with an active duty Green Beret officer. That's an 18 Alpha. He's going to be joining us on Saturday, February 18th at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. So mark your calendars. If you have questions about special forces, being an officer, officer versus enlisted, or any general questions about special forces, join us on Saturday, February 18th at 5 p.m. So as you know, this is our first podcast episode of 2023. And you're probably wondering, Jay, what's going on? Why haven't you been putting out episodes? Well, as some of you know, I became a dad recently. And I have an incredibly amazing little baby boy named JJ. Before I became a dad, I could squeeze out one, maybe two hours of extra time a day to take on some type of additional assignment, project, task, volunteer duties, whatever it may be. Ever since I became a dad... This time now goes to my son. And in the meantime, SOCOM Athlete is expanding faster than I ever imagined. With that being said, in order to maintain the balance in life, extracurricular projects such as the podcast have taken a back seat. I'm also excited to announce that my wife is pregnant again. We are having baby number two. So I decided that it's not ever going to get any easier. I've been waking up at 4 a.m. for the past 15 months every single morning. And even with such an early start, I still haven't had the opportunity to record podcast episodes. So I just decided I'm going to do it, period. I'm going to make time for it. So I packed up all the recording equipment, brought it out here to Albuquerque with me. Sometimes you just got to send it. So we are sending it today, January 28th, 2023 in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Thank you for tuning in to SOCOM Athletes Podcast. Send me, this is your host, Jason. And today we're going to have a little bit different of an episode. We are going to talk about facing your fears and game planning. I talked to you a little bit earlier about my son, JJ. Since becoming a dad, There's been a lot of new emotions that I've never felt before. One of those emotions is a new type of fear and vulnerability. That fear exists because I have something so special to live for, my son, JJ. To explain, one of my favorite experiences and things I look forward to is when my students are Halo qualified and graduated from their pipeline. So Halo, for our listeners out there that aren't familiar, that's high altitude, low opening, aka military free fall. I tell all of my students, so you listeners out there, I'm telling you right now, when you become free fall qualified, hit up Papa Sweet and we're going to go jump. But I had a couple students invite me out to go jump with them. These guys are both combat controllers now, stationed at Herbert Field over at AFSOC, And we drove out to Skydive Panama City. That's in Bonifay. It's about an hour and a half away. And I remember driving out there and feeling these emotions and fear that I've never felt before. I remember just constantly thinking about what happens if I die today on this jump and my son doesn't have his dad anymore. I started thinking about all the scenarios and him having a different dad and you start going through all of these scenarios in your head of what could go wrong and ultimately I was getting overcame by fear. 
And when it comes to fear, the first step is having faith. Faith in yourself, faith in your equipment, and faith in your training. And that faith comes from excellent preparation, successful repetitions, which develop confidence. Courage cannot exist without the presence of fear. Courage over time may develop into bravery, in which fear is not present. So I realized quickly that I needed to adjust my mindset. I went through a systematic process to build my own confidence and my own faith that went something like this. Jason, you got over 300 halo jumps. You've never had any issues. Why would today be the day that you burned in? You have two options here. Option number one is to jump. Option number two is not to jump. There is no way I am not jumping. So I guess that only leaves one option. So I went to the drop zone and to give me more faith in my training and abilities, I spent time doing a drop zone survey. I familiarized myself with the drop zone through a photo printout. I went out to the drop zone, walked the grounds, talked to some of the other jumpers that had jumped there before, got a little bit of information on the winds. I jumped a little bit larger size canopy than what I typically jump, so I weigh about 215 pounds. If I jump a 170 square foot canopy, I am going to be screaming into the ground with a lot of speed, what's called a negative wing load. Now, if I jump a canopy with square footage equal or above my body weight in pounds, I have what's called a positive wing load, which makes it much safer for me as a parachutist to land. So I jumped a larger canopy. I got familiarization with the drop zone. I talked myself up and I went out and had a blast and jumped multiple times with my students. So it's not about the presence of fear. It's what you do with it that counts. Do you take the step forward? Or do you take a step back? And when you continue to display courage in the presence of fear, it develops into bravery. And like I said about recording this podcast episode, sometimes you just got to send it. The more you overanalyze a situation, the worse it can get. Don't think about it. Just do it. That mindset, that strength, Courage in the presence of fear is what got me to where I am today. In 2010, I went to Skydive, New Mexico on one of my weekends here as a PJ student before graduating the pararescue schoolhouse. I jumped a parachute that didn't fit me properly and I shouldn't have jumped it. However, I decided to go up anyway because it was the only rental parachute that was available. After jumping out of the plane, I had a great free fall. It was a lot of fun. I look at my altimeter, it's 5,500 feet, it's time to turn and track away. 4,000 feet comes, I wave off, deploy my parachute, and something goes wrong. My leg straps came undone. My harness was being held by my chin. I almost fell out of my parachute harness from 4,000 feet above ground level. The right leg straps came undone. So all 200 plus pounds of my body weight is on the left side of the canopy. I immediately went into a tight death spin, as we call it. Things started getting black. I lost my peripheral vision and time slowed down. At that point, I realized that I needed to figure out a way to activate my steering toggles on the right side 
pull them all the way down to full breaks and try to counter out of this turn. While looking up, I realized that my leg straps had wrapped around my steering toggles and had pinned them to the risers, which didn't allow me to unstow them. I was stuck. At this point, I realized I had to cut away from this canopy and give it another shot. But the emergency procedures that we are taught so many times, the way that you orient your hand to reach for your cutaway pillow and your reserve ripcord, those areas were completely changed now that my canopy had shifted upwards towards my chin. My chest strap was now up in my chin. So when I was reaching for my cutaway pillow and the reserve ripcord, they weren't there. So at that point, I realized that I needed to get my helmet off so that I could look down, but my chest strap was pinning my head up into the air. So I ripped my helmet off. I pushed down on my chest strap with all my might, and I got eyes on my red cutaway pillow. It was right there below the chest strap. At that point, I released the chest strap with my right arm. This required superhuman strength, probably over 400 pounds of pressure. I would tear my rotator cuff in doing this cut away with my right arm. And in doing that, the reserve static line also deployed my reserve almost instantaneously when my main parachute was cut away. At that point, I had a canopy above my head again. I was able to maintain my leg straps and keep them from wrapping around the toggles. I unstowed the right steering toggle, pulled it all the way down to full brakes, located the drop zone, and was able to do small left-hand turn patterns and crash land on the drop zone. It was the most terrifying experience I've ever had. I had about 12 seconds of room to live. If I didn't cut away in 12 seconds, I would have been gone. So when I hit the ground, what did you think was on my mind? Do you think that I wanted to go skydive again? Absolutely not. It was the last thing I wanted to do. I was terrified. But you know what I did? I got a different parachute. I got right back up in the airplane and I jumped again because that's what it takes. That was jump number 55. I recently completed jump number 306. The fact that I have a son now doesn't change my ability to jump. It doesn't change my luck and it doesn't change my equipment. This is all in the mind. If you want to be a special operator one day, you must first master your mind. You must first be willing to conquer your fear. Now, I want to discuss and educate you as our listeners on time management and game planning. To rewind, I discussed waking up at 4 a.m. as well as not having any free time. My schedule is intricately developed my priorities of work are assigned, and there is balance. Majority of you listeners are individuals that are training for a career in special operations. You're working a job, you're going to school, you have a social life, and amongst all that, you have to work on your swimming ability, your water confidence, ruck marching, mobility, strength, calisthenics, running, to squeeze all of that in throughout the week, you're looking at four to six hours a day sometimes. And many of you are not at the physical ability level that you would like to be. So how are you going to get there? You have to train. What does training require? Time. That time enables you to train. 
That training is what creates the physical gains in progress, and those physical gains in progress is what allows you to earn your special operations contract and get selected. So don't expect to be successful if you're not putting in the work. Putting in the work requires time, and to get the time in your schedule, you must have balance and time management. So let's talk a little bit about that. The first question is, what time do you go to bed at night? And what time do you wake up in the morning? Next question. What's the first thing you think about when you wake up in the morning? What's the first thing that you do in the morning? Another question. What is your least favorite thing to do each day that you know has to get done? If you want to see instant improvement in your life, your training, and your schedule, wake up earlier and knock out your least favorite thing immediately. In doing so, you will have accomplished your greatest task that day before most people have even awoke. That's a victory. That's a win. And when you start your day off with winning, you are going to have a winning day. If the first thing you do when you wake up is check your email, check your texts, check your stocks, check your Instagram, your TikTok, If the first thing you do in the morning is pick up your phone and see what you've missed out on, you are already losing. How do I know? I've been there. Every single morning when I wake up, I have the impulse to grab my phone. But I force myself to stop for a second, thank the Lord that I've been blessed with another day, say a quick prayer, wake up, and go attack what I least want to do that day. Most of you have probably seen the video that's gone viral of the Navy SEAL commander with the dramatic music talking about making your bed in the morning and it being the first thing that you do. Well, I'm going to one-up the Navy SEAL commander and say the first thing that you should do every morning is your least favorite task that you know needs to get done. Next, let's talk about building the overall schedule. Having a routine is crucial if you want to make gains. In order to have a routine, you got to first have a game plan. In order to have a game plan, you need a schedule. In order to build a schedule, you need to first identify what you do each day. How long it takes you to do it. What time you wake up, what time you go to bed. Your priorities of work. What are the most important tasks that you need to accomplish on that day? For example, let's say that In the afternoon, you have four tasks that you need to get done. One of the tasks in no particular order is drop off some packages at the post office. The second is to go get some pool training in. The third is to call your mom. And the fourth is to cook dinner, eat, wash dishes, put them away. And let's pretend like you're a freshman in college, take in 15 course credits. You get out of class, you realize that you're a little bit behind on your exam studying and that you need an extra hour to study for an exam after class. So you realize that the four tasks that you had planned for the afternoon, now you're not going to have three hours to do them. Now you've only got two hours to do them. And you realize that you have to sacrifice a couple of those tasks. Which one do you sacrifice? Why? Those are called your priorities of work. And your priorities of work will allow you to create balance in your life. So to rewind a bit, in order to build a schedule, you need to know your priorities of work. Next, we need to write down everything that we do in one day. And most importantly, 
How long do each of those items take? We have to make sure that we overestimate our time, not underestimate it. If we overestimate, we give ourselves some padding. If we underestimate, we risk constantly coming up short and being late the entire day to everything we do. So you must be realistic with yourself. For example, we'll go back to pool training. Let's say it takes you 15 minutes to get to the pool. Then you got to find parking. You got to park, walk in, check in with the front desk, go down to the locker room, get changed or whatever it is. Get ready if you already have your swim stuff on. Get out to the pool. Go find an empty lane. Get warmed up. Get in the water. Do your training. Finish up your training. Get changed out. Get back to your vehicle and drive to your next destination. The question is, did you plan for the walk from the truck to the parking lot, the little bit of time it took in the locker room, and then the extra two, three minutes that it took for you to get a lane and get settled? All of that together is about 10 to 12 minutes. And over the day, if you're missing out on accounting for these 10, 12, 15 minutes, then you're going to be late all the time. In order to master your life, you must first master time. And that cycles right back to the original point of time management. If you're listening to this podcast right now, training for a career in special operations, write out your daily timeline, just as we discussed, from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to bed. And this timeline is not going to be the same every day. It's going to be different. So as you get better at building the daily timeline, eventually you'll be able to build a weekly timeline. After you do that, you'll have a monthly timeline. You execute over and over and you will be in a routine. Routines create growth. Growth is what allows us to develop and accomplish our goals. So as we wrap up this short episode, again, I challenge you to do the drill of building your personal timeline. Last comment. After building your timeline and starting to live it out and actually execute your plan, Don't be discouraged if you're not able to knock everything out on that timeline every day. Don't be discouraged if you have to deviate or rearrange things. Unexpected tasks and items and challenges come up every day. You have to account for that. The beauty of having the timeline in the plan is you always know where to go back to. You have that organization. It helps you organize your thoughts. So again, don't be discouraged if you can't execute your plan perfectly. That plan exists to guide you forward to success. And with that, we are going to wrap up this short episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I will be putting out many more episodes like this in the future. And as stated earlier, we have Navy SEAL Chad Williams, best-selling author, coming on the podcast for live Q&A Wednesday, February 1st. And then we will have a Green Beret officer. That is an 18 Alpha His name is Bruno, and Bruno will be joining us on the podcast Saturday, February 18th at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 1800 Eastern Time, Saturday, February 18th. If you are not already in our SOCOM Athlete Training group chats, they are 100% free to join. Navigate over to the SOCOM Athlete website, head over to the group chat subpage, and apply now. As SOCOM Athlete continues to grow, we have decided to take on private sponsors, and private partners. One of our first partners is Pelican. For those of you guys that haven't heard of Pelican, they make all of the military-grade cases. Pelican is hands down my favorite case slash container that I have ever had. 
I was issued several Pelican cases in my times as a PJ, and I still have them to this day. They work great. So I am pumped to be partnering with Pelican. They are sending us 10 Pelican cases to provide to our SOCOM athlete instructors as well as top performer awards at our Hell Day events. So don't miss the opportunity to come out to our Hell Days. We're going to be stacking up the top performer awards. We've got our boy Bobby from Direct Action Apparel. So if you guys haven't already given Bobby a follow on IG or check out some of his apparel, Bobby Ristaino is a Master Sergeant in the United States Marine Corps. He's about to retire. He was a aerial sniper and a force reconnaissance Marine. Bobby is an incredible human being. So check out Bobby over at Direct Action Apparel on Instagram or check out his website at directactionapparel.com. Lastly, another sponsor that we have is Army Surplus World. They are selling Molly 2 rucksacks, boots, all kinds of training items for cheap, and they are good quality. Check out Army Surplus World. All of our Molly 2 rucksacks that we use at our Hell Day events, all of our combat pants, they all come from Army Surplus World. Great prices in a great American company. Lastly, I want to give a big shout out to the Keegan Baker Memorial Fund and my man, Mason Baker. He continues to do great things supporting SOCOM Athlete and us supporting him. The mission is to honor the legacy of Keegan Baker, a combat controller who tragically passed away at combat dive school. Mason runs an organization, the Keegan Baker Memorial Fund, that provides scholarships to deserving individuals to attend our Hell Day events. All three days are 100% paid for. We are always looking for great applicants. If you are interested in applying for a Hell Day full weekend scholarship, 100% funded, head on over to the Keegan Baker Memorial Fund webpage. And with that, thank you for tuning in to SOCOM Athletes Podcast. Send me. This is your host, Jason. We are out. Thank you. Up. Up. Down. Down.